Welcome back to the Sporting Max Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Beckon Maintenance, high pressure washing, facility maintenance, and commercial sanitization. Check them out at beckon.com.au. Here's your host, Max Becker. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Sporting Max, where today we're joined by Adelaide 36's co-captain, Brendan Tees. Welcome to the podcast, Brendan. How are you going at the moment? Yeah, I'm going good. Thanks for having me. No worries. Can you tell me a bit about your childhood and what growing up was like for you? What growing up was like for me? Jeez. Um, So I grew up in Brisbane. Uh, Growing up, I started playing soccer when I was probably six years old. Um, Played a lot of soccer. Then I got into basketball the same time my brother did. So my brother's 10 years older than me. And he started playing basketball, I think, in grade 12, maybe grade, grade 11 or 12. Um, and I was 10 years younger, so I was seven or eight around that mark. And he started playing basketball. So then I started playing basketball and we'd shoot around in the backyard and stuff like that. Um, because I was playing a whole lot of soccer and a whole lot of basketball, I ended up having to choose. So when I got to about 12 years old, my mum would have to drive me from uh, you know, a basketball game in the morning yeah. to a soccer carnival all day back to a basketball game up on the sunshine coast a two-hour driveway in the afternoon yeah and by the end of saturdays <laughs> we're knacking and then it's the same for training you have to take me from soccer training at monday at 4 p.m and then straight to basketball training at 6 p.m so it's just getting a little bit too much um so about 12 years old i had to choose whether i wanted to play basketball or soccer and because i'm so pasty my skin's so pasty <laughs> and i was i didn't want to get too sunburned um I ended up choosing basketball I also didn't like wearing uh, little soccer shorts I like wearing baggier shorts so yeah. ended up choosing soccer but um yeah that's just a bit about my story grew up with uh my mom and dad in Brisbane had my older brother and my younger sister is two years younger than me so we just kind of all, all grew up together up there in Brisbane so what was that like to you know shoot around in your backyard with your brother brother sorry who's 10 years older than you yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, we used to grow up playing a lot of sports, yeah. ping pong, soccer, tennis. Uh, we invented some crazy sports. <laughs> uh, but yeah, when when my brother puts his mind to something, he's very passionate about it. And that's what I've grown up to be too. So we would get in the backyard and <clears throat> we'd practice and practice and shoot and shoot and learn new things. And we'd also play a lot of video games. We'd play a lot of NBA Live back then. And yeah. Um, he wouldn't let me kind of just come down the court and shoot it. I was like, what I said, eight years old. He wouldn't let me yeah. come down the court and shoot <laughs> video games. He's like, no, nah, we have to run through the offense properly and you have to come off this screen and shoot it here. And if you don't shoot it, that's a bad shot and I won't give you the ball the next time down the court. So, yeah. um, you know, we just, we just hung out like that a lot. Um, but yeah, shooting, shooting shots in the backyard. It was we're pretty blessed to have a hoop in the backyard and just go out there and shoot whenever we want. So, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Now, I believe you played junior basketball with the Southwest Metro Pirates uh, in the Queensland Basketball League. What type of player were you as a kid and how has your sort of game or style developed or evolved sorry, over the years? Um, look, when I started my, my junior team, so I'll go to my first under-12s team. So we went to the state championships. We had um, a superstar team. So it was me... Brock Modem, I don't know if you know Brock Modem, who he played for the Adelaide 36ers probably when you were very young. <laughs> um, Cameron Bairstow. I'm sure yep. you know Cameron Bairstow. He plays for yeah. the Hawks right now. 
Um, we had a guy called Daniel Vito who used to play NRL, used to play rugby league for um, Brisbane Broncos and the St. George Lord Dragons, Canberra Raiders, and he's now a professional wrestler. So we had four guys who went on to be elite athletes in the same under 12s team. So we kind of dominated the under 12 scene. Um, we had great coaches, great junior coaches that I'm sure all those guys that I named were all pretty blessed that we had such good junior coaches. And yeah. um, I remember we went to state championships and our closest game was the semifinal that we won by 20 or 30. We just, <laughs> we just absolutely dominated that league, um, that competition. And then <clears throat> throughout my junior years, it was a lot of the same. So that group kind of hung together for a while. And then under 16s, we kind of spread apart, but um, I was still on some pretty successful teams. I ended up winning three state championships. So one under 12 championship, one under 16, one under 18. And um, growing up, I was always one of the best players in my age group, always one of the top scorers. Um, so um, that's something that I really prided myself on. Um, and then, yeah, I guess you, you get to the NBL level and not everyone can be a top scorer. So you have to try to develop in other areas. And yeah. I tried to work a lot on my defense um, and then try to try to run the team a lot more. So uh, because I was thankful that my brother taught me how to play basketball properly and we played those video games where I had yeah. new screens to kind of score, I kind of learned the game um, a lot better than a lot of people. So as I've progressed, I guess my IQ is a lot higher than a lot of other people. My basketball IQ is a lot higher than other people and I'm able to help them and get guys the shots where they should be getting shots or run the right offenses to get this guy a shot when, when he's feeling good and stuff like that. So I think on top of, you know, my scoring ability growing, going through juniors, I really developed my defensive game and my um, basketball IQ. In 2008, you signed with your hometown, the Brisbane Bullets as, as a development player. But the team unfortunately folded before uh, the season had even started. How did signing with Brisbane all start to come about? How what was that? How how did signing with Brisbane all start to come about? Uh, are you talking about how they they're back in the league? Yeah, in the in, in the NBL. You saying when Brisbane came back or when I um, when I started playing there? When you started playing there as a developer. When I started playing there, yeah. So that was um, I was lucky that. Uh, at the time, Joey Wright was the head coach of the Brisbane Bullets, yeah. and I was playing um, QBL, which is like the NBL one now. Yeah, uh, I was playing NBL one at the time, and I was an eight, little eighteen-year-old, little scrawny, skinny eighteen-year-old, and yeah. I was playing NBL one, and we we're playing Brisbane Capitals at Auckland Flower Stadium, and um, I remember having like a, a really good game, like I had twenty-four or twenty-six points or something like that, like mid twenties. Um, had a really good game and after the game, I didn't know at the time, but Joey was sitting in the crowd and he just came down to the court after the game and said, Hey, um, I was here. I've been following you. Would you like to be a development player for the Bullets? So that was super exciting for me. Um, I, obviously as a kid, I went to a bunch of Bullets games and I was a member of the Bullets, um, as a little kid sitting in row four and, you know, at that time, CJ Bruton was playing for the team and, uh, he was like a, an idol for me, someone who I always looked up to and I always went to the games and I was like, wow, like, I want to be CJ Bruton, even though he had like the cool afro and all the baggy <laughs> shorts and stuff like that. But I was like, I want to be CJ Bruton when I grow up. And then 
obviously got offered the development spot and I knew that CJ was on the team and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is great. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go to a few scrimmages and a few, like a few little training sessions here and there um, with all those guys who were on the team. Um, they were all there. And then, yeah, like you said, unfortunately the, the bullets folded and um, yeah, that season didn't eventuate. So what was that like to sign with a team and then the bullets like just folded and didn't eventuate? Uh, yeah, well, like I said, it was a very exciting time for me because I finally, you know, started playing professionally, I yeah. guess. <laughs> and then um, that team kind of folded and I didn't didn't sign with anyone else that season. So, like I said before, I was just a skinny little 18-year-old and I used that kind of time off during that NBL season that I was supposed to be a development player in. Didn't go to another team, but I used that. Um, you know, six or seven months during that season to lift a lot of weights and try to put on a bit of size and a bit of muscle and turn into a man instead of just a scoring little kid. So, um, you know, you can kind of look at it at two sides. You can kind of say, well, uh, I missed out on my shot to become a professional basketballer. Or you can use it as a positive and try to work on something else, try to work on your deficiencies. And mm -hmm. that's what I just tried to do, just... Went, went down to the courts and worked out every day and then went to the gym and worked out every day trying to get bigger. So you then went to the Gold Coast Blaze uh, with your former Bullets coach, Joey Wright, uh, where you played three seasons there. What was that experience like to play on, under an amazing coach like uh, like Joey Wright, who we've had on the podcast, by the way, and um, really get to know him and play under him for a few, couple of seasons? Yeah, I mean, he taught me a lot growing up. He, he pretty much developed me from being a scrawny little 18 year old to becoming a professional basketballer. And he put in a lot of time and a lot of effort into my individual game. And he would get there early with me and stay after practice late. And we'd work on different things for hours and hours and hours until I finally got it down. So a lot of credit goes to him for my, the career that I've had. Um, but not, not only him, I had a bunch of great, uh, you know, older guys in that team. Not, they weren't older at the time, but they're older than me. Um, I had a bunch of guys to learn from, such as Adam Gibson, Anthony Petrie, um, you know, two of my all-time favorite teammates. Chris Golding was in that team. James yep. Harvey was in that team. Perry Cameron was in that team, who was, you know, all-star five in at the World Championships next to Dirk Nowitzki and all these guys, like Manu Ginobili, all these guys. So mm -hmm. had some incredible people to learn from and took that opportunity to learn from them and, I guess that helped me develop my basketball IQ as well, playing with such great players. And they're all really smart players too. So um, that kind of helped pave the way for me. It was just a perfect storm to kind of boost my career. Unfortunately, that, that first season, I probably played 30 seconds or a minute the whole season. I think I played in two games. Yeah. Um, so hardly played, but I wasn't expecting to play. I was just, I was like a kid in a candy <laughs> shop. Like, oh my God, this is crazy. What's going on? And then... Uh, the second and third year, um, I guess, is a story of just being in the right place at the right time. So um, one of our guys got injured and I got elevated into the roster and then played a few minutes here and there and did really well, contributed really well and then played a little bit more, played a little bit more and eventually played, you know, a bunch of games up there on the Gold Coast and contributed. And um, I think in the last season, both in the semifinal series and we lost in game three, but I was playing 10 minutes a game as a 
with a 20 year old development player. Um, so that was pretty special for me. And, um, but yeah, got, just going back to, you know, Joey and Gibbo and Peach and Bubbles and all those, and Chris Goldie and all those guys who helped teach me and um, instilled good habits into me. Uh, yeah, a lot of credit goes to those guys. So what was that like at the Blaze to work with the young Chris Golding? Um, he was young at the time too. So yeah. he's, he's, I think, uh, two years older than me, but it was just great to, he'd been in the league for a few years already. And it was just great to see his talent, but not only his talent, but his, his work ethic. Um, I prided myself on being the first one to practice and being the last one to leave. Yeah. But he was always the first one there, last one to leave. Um, I'd see pictures on people's Instagrams of him going in at midnight at night to go shoot before a game or the day after a game and stuff like that. So um, just his work ethic was incredible. But you could see at the time that um, he was going to be something special because you put that much talent mixed with that much hard work together and you're always going to be successful. So it's credit for him. Uh, credit to him just putting in all that hard work and yeah he's obviously seen the rewards throughout his career now the blaze folded after the 2011-2012 nbl season tell me about your mindset after now having played for two clubs which have unfortunately folded um yeah well like i said that third year after playing the wildcats in the semi-final series um and i was playing 10 minutes a game and and contributing pretty well um, I was like, okay, well, finally, I'm going to be elevated into a full-time contract, not just a de development player, but yeah. like a full-time contract. I was like, here we go. Like the stars are starting to align. I'm, I'm going to finally get my shot. And then uh, we heard the news that the blaze followed it. So um, that was a bit of a bummer because I thought that that was the year that I was going to finally get a job, but that didn't happen. And then I moved on up to Townsville. I got a development player spot in Townsville. Uh, I'm sure you probably had that in your notes and you're going to say that next, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> went up to Townsville and uh, the same thing happened up there. Um, I played 30 seconds or a minute the whole game. I think I got on for a minute in one game. Um, and up there was a lot like the year that, I, that the bullets folded. Up there, I just mm -hmm. spent a lot of time, um, same thing, getting there early, staying late doing extra weights, going hard in the gym, um, shooting on days off, uh, all that kind of stuff. Just doing a whole bunch of extra work to try and make myself as, as good as possible. And um, it was probably my, my first way, uh, first time away from home as well. So I was lucky that my wife's cousin lived up there and I moved yeah. in with her and um, she kind of looked after me because <laughs> it was my first time away from home and had to move away from my then girlfriend who's my wife now and so I was pretty sad but like I said I just put my head down and um, put in extra work and worked as hard as I could I actually had a job up there as well so I was um I worked at the movies at the cinemas at Reading Cinemas up there so I'd go from training and mind you like this is Townsville so it's hot and muggy so we would train <laughs> in the morning lift weights I would go home exhausted and then I'd have a shift out of the movies from four till four p.m. till midnight. Oh no! Where I'm, I'm walking <laughs> up and down stairs all day, like cleaning up popcorn, cleaning up cardboard boxes. So if you ever go to the movies, 
put your popcorn boxes in the bins <laughs> provided because I know what it's like having to clean up all the popcorn boxes. But uh, especially school holidays when it's all the kids' movies on. Oh my god, how to clean up all those popcorn boxes and popcorn everywhere. But um, I just remember like cramping, and I was like sweating the whole night, and it was just a mess. But I did like I did what I had to do, and I was still in a situation where I could improve. Um, but yeah, that's, that was just my mindset, I guess, going up there. In 2013-14, you were back with Joey Wright, but now at the Adelaide 36ers, obviously. Talk to me about um, how signing with the 36ers, um, you know, all happened. Well, like you said, Joey got the job done in Adelaide. Um, and I guess it was just another story of being, in, being at the right place at the right time. So back then, instead of a salary cap, they had a points cap. And each team had a certain number of points and it was something like imports with 10 points. Um, if you played at the Olympics, you were 10 points. If you were coming back from college, you were three points. If you were a nobody, you know, coming through the system or whatever, you're a one point, et cetera, et cetera. And Adelaide only had two points left, I think, and one spot. So they needed a one point player. And luckily enough, I was a one point <laughs> player and, um, yeah, Joy just gave me a call and said, "Hey, we want you down Adelaide. Would you would you come down?" I said, "Absolutely." So um, that's kind of how that all came about. Now, in November two thousand fourteen, you scored a career high twenty three points against uh, the Breakers. What was this game like for yourself? Uh, at the time, I think we had a couple of injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. Uh, I don't know who it was, but I remember we had a couple of injuries. So I knew I was going to be playing a lot. Um, and yeah, I guess just my mindset was to be super aggressive and all my teammates and, and Joey kind of put that confidence into me to go out there and be aggressive because, hey, we got so many injuries. Someone's got to go out there and try to score. So yeah, why not you? Um, and so I did and went out there and started feeling good and made a few shots and yeah, had a good night, I guess. Ahead of the 2017-18 NBL season, you were named as the 36ers co-captain uh, for the upcoming season. Oh, sorry, not co-captain, captain. <laughs> what was what did this all mean to you? Uh, it was very special. Um, when I was younger, I used to be the captain of all my junior teams and all my like Queensland state teams and stuff like that. So it's something that... Um, I don't take for granted and saying that's really special to me to be able to be a captain of a professional basketball team and yeah. follow the likes of all the great captains that have played for Adelaide beforehand. Um, when you have a look at all their names etched in the history books, I guess, um, you kind of take a moment and you think that's pretty special. And it's kind of nice to have, not control, but have people look up to you and come to you for advice and, listen to your opinion and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, being a captain in basketball is just a, a title. It's not, we get to talk to the referees before the game. And um, it's not like cricket where we're kind of calling all the shots and everything, but yeah. it is it is very nice to kind of be etched in history as a captain of such a prestigious club, yeah. In the 2019-20 season, you were named the Adelaide 36ers Defensive Player of the Year. What is your mindset uh, right now on defending and how did this recognition make you feel? Awesome. So going, this is going way back to my Gold Coast Blaze days. Um, 
like I said, I learned from guys like Adam Gibson and Anthony Petrie, and these guys were very defensive oriented players, very defensive minded players. And because I learned from them, I learned to be a defensive minded player. And I ended up getting my first shot at the Gold Coast to play on the court because of my good defense. Um, so I took a lot of pride in that. And I knew that I probably, like, hey, I probably can't score as good as the best. In, I can't score as good as Jerome Randall or Chris Golding yeah. or Bryce Cotton, but I know I can play defense as good as them, if not better. So I was like, okay, well, maybe if I pride myself on my defense, that'll be my point of difference. And then I can, you know, do everything else as well. So I really took pride in my defense and to be recognized for that um, with the defensive player of the year award that year was very special because it's something that I really work towards and I, I really care about down the defensive end. And funny story from my Gold Coast Blaze days is when I was a development player and I didn't play the whole game and we're playing against New Zealand breakers. Yeah. Once again, I'm playing against my idol, CJ Bruden. <laughs> and at the time they went, they won like three championships in a row or whatever. CJ's known as the best clutch player in the league. And there's like 20 seconds left. And um, it was a tie ball game. And I hadn't played the whole game, like I said. And Joey subbed me in for the last 20 seconds <laughs> to guard CJ Bruden, the best clutch player in the league. Yeah. I'm like, oh my God, there's CJ Bruden, Kirk Penny, like all these guys. And I was like, oh my God. And anyway, we got the stop. I just remember CJ, we walked onto the court and I walked up to CJ, like little 19 year old. Like, <laughs> and he, I remember him looking at me like, okay, like I've got the score on you. <laughs> and we ended up getting the stop. I don't remember what happened, but we ended up getting the stop and went to overtime. And I didn't play all of overtime. I only played that 20 seconds. <laughs> so uh, yeah, that's just a funny little story. But yeah, going back to it, winning that defensive player of the year award was really special because it's something that I do pride myself on. Now for 21, sorry, now for 20, NBL 21 this season, you're a co-captain alongside DJ John, Daniel Johnson and Daniel Dillon. What's it like to be in a leadership role uh, with those sort of caliber players? Yeah, it's awesome. It's just the same as, uh, same as when I was first named captain a few years ago. I just kind of stepped into that leadership role and I've, I've, been around for a little bit now so I know how to play the game and I know how other players should be playing the game and I know I've I've seen a bunch of different personalities um, we went to the grand final that year and we had NBA ex-NBA players we had you know most improved players we had six man of the year we had all these guys and different personalities that are different personalities but they have to mesh together to be able to win you can't just have the best players from everywhere and put them together and hope they win. They've got to mesh together and work together as a team to eventually win. And um, I learned a lot that year trying to keep this guy happy and stop this guy from fighting with this guy. And, yeah. um, you know, hope that that guy's okay because he's not playing. Hope that guy's okay because he is playing. Like, I just kind of learned how to do all that stuff. And uh, I guess I pride myself on being a good person. So I'm able to go up to people and, um, give them advice or give them constructive criticism or make sure they're okay and stuff like that. So it is a true honor to be um, in the leadership group with those guys, but it's the same thing that I've been doing for the last five or six years of my career is just helping people and trying to be a good person, I guess. Now we've all heard and now seen uh, the NBA prospect and NBL next star, Josh Giddy. 
What so what's it like for you to come in day in day out and work with him and play alongside him? Um, <laughs> I first saw that we signed him, and I was like, oh sweet, like this guy's not gonna play. There's no way this 18 year old kid can come in and and do anything on a on an NBL court with men. But yeah, the first session he was there, he like he blew my mind. I was like, wow, this guy's really as tall as they say for starters. Yeah. Like he's massive. He's legit six foot seven, six foot eight. So first of all, I was like, God damn. And then second of all, <laughs> his, his instincts are so good. He just um, makes the right instinctually. Like he, he'll pass to the big when the big's there. He'll pass to the weak side when the weak side's there. He'll come off an on ball and shoot when he's open. Like he just... Yeah makes the right plays all of the time, which is pretty amazing for an 18-year-old because when I was 18, the game was happening so far and it's hard to kind of read the game like that. It kind of develops as you play more. But for him to come in and make the right plays already is amazing. And there, there's some things that he needs to work on, but I truly believe that um, he, he will get drafted and he'll do well in the NBA. So how do you think... Um what like the this sort of NBL 21 season is going to sort of play out for the club with uh, the NBL Cup coming up in February? <laughs> Who knows? Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully there is an NBL Cup. Hopefully there is the rest of the season. I think yeah. uh, we just got to try to avoid COVID and um, with the NBL protocols, <laughs> they're, they're being pretty strict with us. So we're not allowed to basically leave the house for three days before each game because if we get a cold even, not if we catch COVID, but if I rock up to a game with a sniffly nose, they have to say, nah, no game. So we've got to be pretty careful and wear face masks around and, and stuff like that. So first of all, hopefully there will be a rest of the season. Hopefully yeah. we get through and um, we get to play all our games. Um, and then secondly, it's going to be interesting, especially for us having a bunch of home games early and so close together and then at the back end of the season we're probably going to be traveling a lot and playing a lot of away games so i think it's important for us to win a bunch of these home games while we have them to win a bunch of the games in the hub and then hopefully try to pick off a, a few away games through the back end of the season but history will show that um every season has been pretty close and pretty tight and yeah if you lose a game here you might drop from third to ninth or if you win a game, he might drop from eighth to second place. So um, as long as we can stay ahead of that curve uh, and stay in that semifinal spot, anything can happen from the semifinals. Now, your new coach, head coach for this season, Connor Henry, seems uh, to be doing a great job with the guys. Can you tell me about what sort of coach he is and what kind of expectations he has for his players? Um, he's been good so far. Like I said, it, it's... Uh, little bit different having him around but I think the guys have responded to having him here and he has a very um he's he's a bit of a players coach where he you know it's like an open door policy no one's afraid yes. to kind of tell him how they're feeling or what they think and he's very open to hearing from us players and um responding to us and working with us to kind of make a cohesive group and what's working what's not working is very very willing to kind of work with the playing group and get suggestions from us and us get suggestions from him and we kind of want to formulate a game plan and a style of play um to be able to win games so uh yeah it's been good having him here and i think i think the guys will learn a lot from him and 
unfortunately because of the COVID situation, our imports came in late and yeah, um, a few of the guys from Melbourne had to come in pretty late as well. So we're all still kind of learning as we're going, which makes everything tough. But I think at one point we'll we'll, we'll click and um, we'll be pretty successful this season. Now imports Tony Crocker and Donald Sloan um, have only just played, you know, obviously the first few games with the club. What's that been like to have them around um, and in your club culture? It's been good. They're they're both great people first and foremost. Um, Tony's a bit of a bit of a jokester, a bit of a hooligan, which is <laughs> which is refreshing to, to have around. You know, you can always have a laugh with yeah. him. Um, Donald's been around the place. He's played in the NBA, uh, so he brings a lot of professionalism and knows how to play the game of basketball. And Tony's no different. He's been playing high level in Europe for for years and years. So both these guys know what they're doing. Um, and for them to be able to come in with, you know, a week to go before the season. And try to try to gel into the group and learn the system and learn the plays and learn how players like to play and how guys want to get the ball and stuff like that. Um, it's a true credit to their professionalism. But yeah, first and foremost, they're great people, and um, I think they're only going to improve with having more and more time around the group. Now you're the founder of uh, online basketball training Hooper. Where did you sort of get the inspirational idea from uh, for that? Or how did you come up with that idea? Good question. So I wanted to find a way. So I've, I've always done like a lot of small group training and individual work with, with a lot of kids um, and taught them how to play the game of basketball and taught them this and that. And I get a lot of enjoyment out of that and teaching kids how to play the game and helping them improve. Um, and I wanted to kind of find a way that I could do that without being physically present. So mm-hmm. with the COVID situation, like I said, we pretty much can't leave the house for three days before a game. And I knew that was going to happen. So I was like, okay, um, well, how am I going to help kids improve if I can't actually be there and help them improve? So I thought of this idea of um, releasing weekly training videos on YouTube. Um, and it's, they're simple videos. They're literally like, Yep. This is the three ways to score by doing this. So this is the three ways yeah. that you can, um, you know, the four steps to make your, your shot better or something like that, you know, like yeah. it's a bunch of videos like that. And at the end of the day, I, and very soon, I think next week, I'm going to be starting to release um, courses that people can buy. And these courses are going to be um, different things. So it's going to be one on, fundamentals so it'll kind of be for for younger kids and i'll teach them how to dribble how to pass how to shoot um the rules of the game and stuff like that and there'll also be one on screening so uh, i had a look at stats of the nba and all the elite scorers have these things in common and one of them is they score a lot of points um by screens so off ball screens coming off on ball screens setting screens and rolling off screens and stuff like that so the course that I'm hopefully going to be releasing soon, hopefully as early as next week, is going to be a screens masterclass. Um, but yeah, the whole idea is just to reach as many kids as, as possible, um, teach them the game of basketball, help them improve without actually physically being there in front of them, having to you know spend time doing that when there's a limited amount of time right now. So what's your uh, weekly schedule like? Uh, in terms of, you know, Hooper, um, training for the 36s and games? Yeah, well, like I said, we're pretty much training every day, lifting weights every day, 
Uh, right now, I've got two games a week. Um, when I can, I go down and, and film usually four sessions, uh, four videos. Um, like I'll spend one day filming four videos. So that gives me a month of videos. So I only have yeah. to film once a month, one day a month. Um, and Fuel My Social is a social media company, a social yeah. media agency down here who's helped me do a lot of that stuff. So um, it's been a blessing to have them on, on board because they're making some really good content for me. But yeah, basically I just set up a time with them once a week to go film a bunch of videos and then I release them weekly and then I'll go down the next month and spend a day filming a bunch of videos and then release them weekly. But yeah, um, yeah I'm just trying to fit that in when I can right now um, around all of our COVID protocols pretty much. What would be your best advice to anyone trying to make their way uh, into the NBL and have a successful career like yourself? Um, first and foremost, I had fun. And I know it's cliche and my dad always used to say it to me. Um, but just have fun. I think if you enjoy the game of basketball, you want to get better at it. If you go down to the courts and get up shots because you have to, and okay, I'm going to improve by going to the short going to the court and shooting shots compared to jumping out there and being like, all right, let's go. Like, I want to go down and shoot and I want to get better. It's yeah. fun. Um, that's a true, uh, I think that's a true way of getting better is enjoy. If you're not enjoying it, then it's probably not for you because there's a lot of hard work. But if that hard work is fun, then it's a lot easier. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Brendan, for coming on the podcast and sharing insights into your life and daily life and your career so far. No worries. It's been fun. Thanks for having me. No worries, Brendan. Best of luck for uh, NBL 21 and the rest of your NBL career. Appreciate it. Thank you. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. Thanks for listening to Sporting Max. If you like this episode, please leave us a review or rating on iTunes and follow and subscribe to our channel on Instagram and YouTube.